I am out at a local state park today doing some hiking, uh, taking some photos for a client. But I've been thinking about something for the last week or so, and I think it's, it's something we need to discuss. For the last couple of weeks, um, the church that we've been attending has been talking about discipleship and being intentional, both as a disciple and as someone who disciples others. And last week, they were talking about um, discipling children, um, not just as a parent, but as anyone who uh, works with or interacts with kids, um, and, and how you can be intentional with develop, developing them as uh, I would say as followers of Christ, as people who believe uh, what the scriptures say about Jesus. Um, and, and those discussions have been, have been interesting. I've been thinking a lot about um, the church that I led before and uh, the, the groups of people that sort of interacted with there and, and worked with there. Um, a lot of them were young adults, uh, either coming out of high school or college, um, really you know, 20s, 30s, even up to 40s, I guess. Um, but a lot of them had come out of churches, youth groups, um, and it had, had inherited some, some ways of thinking about God and the Bible and the stories that we find there, they were really having trouble reconciling with um, what they were coming up against in sort of in the real world, to use that term. Um, you know, you, you leave home and you, you leave your sort of protected world where you've been taught these things and um, it's easy to, easy to believe and then you come up against philosophies and ways of thinking about the world and uh, some science for sure um, that really makes it difficult to believe what you've been told. I mean, what's, what's going on there? Um, I wouldn't say it's, that's a universal experience, but it certainly, certainly happens a lot. Um, I hear about, read about, uh, you know, kids going off to college and taking a religion 101 course and um, being taught about world religions and some of the some of the the ways of thinking about Old Testament stories in particular um, that are different that really sort of wreck perspectives and wreck belief systems um, and. When I'm thinking about why that is, it largely has to do with the fact that we teach sort of simplified, oversimplified, sanitized versions of these Bible stories in Sunday school when we're kids, and then we stay there. And as we get older, you know, so we sort of move from Bible stories that are largely Old Testament stories uh, in Sunday school, and then we get into uh, high school and a lot of, you know, there we start 
you know, reading the New Testament and the letters. Um, and then that's sort of where we stay. Uh, and, and there's there's never any point a really in-depth look at uh, at any of the stories that tries to put it back into its cultural context, um, explain how those stories are functioning, what they're really there to do. And in most cases, the children's version of these stories uh, actually misses the entire point. I mean, what, what, are, you, what are you supposed to do if, when, when you head out on your own and, and you're confronted with, well, let's just, take, let's just take the very first story in the Bible, the Genesis story, uh, and, and the first of two creation stories found in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, you know, the, the world was created in six days, As, as it typically is told, you know, God creates out of nothing. Uh, six days, it's all good. He rests on the seventh. Don't question that. Um, you know, and, and, and when we do dare to question that, we're usually told, uh, questions obviously arise when we start learning about science and learning about the history of our earth and our world. And we're told that, that our world is billions of years old and it's taken that long to develop and, and you know, it was around for billions of years before man ever existed. Well, the Genesis story says that, you know, day six, six days, everything was created and on that sixth day, uh, we showed up, that, that we were put here. So what do you do with that? I mean, if, if all you have is an understanding that this is a story that tells us that God built made the world in six days, well, you either are going to sort of retreat into that story and into that view and reject the scientific point of view, um, or you're gonna have to reject the story. Uh, you know, look at the evidence that the scientific world is providing to us, uh, which is continually mounting and has been mounting for a long time, that says, hey, it's not six days. One of the, really the fundamental problem we have with, with that story in particular, but a lot of these things is that we're bringing our questions and forcing them on a text that wasn't asking that question to begin with. Um, in this case, we live in a post-enlightenment scientific world where we are often asking questions about uh, facts, um, how, how things happened mechanically, categorically. Um, and this, you know, that, those creation stories um, are much more about meaning, about why it happened. Um, and, and we even have some trouble with just terminology. When we, when we say the word create, for example, uh, we're talking, as we usually come to this, this story, uh, God making something out of nothing, right? Cre creation ex nihilo, which is a long-standing doctrine of the church <clears throat> um, and of Judaism before that. But that's not what this story is talking about. In, in the ancient Near Eastern cultures that this story came out of or was written down and developed and told in, uh, to create was really to give order to. And, and the opening words of the book of Genesis even talk about that. The world was formless and void, 
and God gave form to it and then filled that void. You know, when you really pay attention to the text and you start to read, real quickly, it's verse one or two, maybe two, three, it's in the first four verses, I know. You read that God's got a, a wind from God. Uh, some translations say spirit, um, swept over the deep before, before God creates. What's that about? Well, in ancient Near Eastern cultures, there was thought to be uh, the, the deep waters of chaos. And that's what that is. Uh, and and it, there, are, there are many creation stories that mirror or parallel the one found in Genesis. The one in Genesis is unique, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but the, the perspective or the worldview at the time was that there was sort of the waters of chaos, which were mutually or also eternal. That when you, when you read that account, God didn't create, okay? So the, the, the first three verses are God separating the waters back from what would be land and sky, right? You talk about non-scientific, the first act of God is to bring bring in light, but then, then he separates the water, creates this dome that separates the water out. And so there is the earth and then there's this dome that pushes the water up. And so what the creation story tells us, that first story tells us is that what is in the sky above the dome is more water. And then on that dome, he places the stars and the, and the sun and the moon and then he pulls that water back inside the dome. He pulls the water back and, and brings forth the land. Doesn't even say, I don't think that he creates the land. Like the, all that stuff is already there. And so that account is about God ordering the world, right? That, that the, way the, thing, the way things are, are for a reason. And it, it is because the good creator made them that way. And then then in verses, you know, the, the days four, five, and six are all about God filling the, that new space, that new ordered space. So you get the stars and the sun and the moon on the dome. You get the birds in the sky, the, the plants, and then humans fill, filling the land, the sky, and the sea. It's, it's interesting and, and I've sort of once, once you see this and sort of recognize this, uh, it, it's kind of one of those things you can't unsee. Light exists before the things that make light, right? It, it, the first act of God, according to Jedha's narrative, is to create light, let there be light, and there was. But it's not until day four that the stars, the sun, the moon, the things that make the light 
Um, obviously, we know the moon is reflected, but you get the point. It's not until later that the things that actually generate the light are created. How do you have light without the thing that makes the light? It's not a scientific, it's not a scientific explanation. I mentioned a minute ago that the, that the creation story, the Genesis narrative, was unique, and, and that's true. Um, there were other stories that were similar, many of which had to do with uh, the gods bringing order out of the chaos, or actually <laughs> creating more chaos, and out of that chaos came the world, ordered as it is. Usually they were stories about the gods warring with each other, having spats and battles, and it was in that strife that the world was created and man came out of that. What was profound and unique about the, the story Israel was telling was that it wasn't out of a disconnected sort of divine battle that, that we came about. It was rather that there is a good and loving God who created this world, ordered this world intentionally then created us intentionally as his image bearers and placed us here. That's, that was unlike anything else that was being told. That's a really a profound truth. And it gets hinted at in the Sunday School version, but it really gets missed when what we're focusing on was the our world was created in six days. When you understand the world that that story came out of, the mindset that it was created to speak into, you realize that it's not a problem actually, that the world probably wasn't created in six days. It's not a problem that there's not water up in the sky above a dome. Um, because it's just not, it's not what that story is attempting to tell us. It, it's just not, and as I said it earlier, it's not asking the questions that we want to ask. It's not providing the answers that are scientific, that our, our culture and our world wants to have. We just, we need to be respectful and critical enough about ourselves and the way that we think um, to recognize what it is that that story is trying to do. Because once you understand that, it, it does say something important to us still today. It is still very true. It's not that that story is not true. It's just true in a different way. Back to the beginning, I think that we have, we have a problem as a church, as, uh, as people who are trying to understand and communicate the truth of God. And that is that we don't often understand it ourselves. Um, and not because we can't, it's because we just accept the stories that have been given to us, which are short-sighted. They're not a complete picture. Um, and we've been, we've been doing that generation after generation. So this is just the reality of the world that we find ourselves in. And for, 
most of the history of the church, it hasn't been a huge problem because we haven't gotten to the level of questioning and scientific knowledge that enables us to be critical about these stories in the way that we have now. And for a long time, it has been taboo to be asking these sorts of questions, to be asking uh, whether or not these things are true. I mean, how many churches are you in or have you been in or part of, or how many Christians have you talked to? And you say, uh, hey, I, I have a question about that. That doesn't make sense to me. And rather than being offered an answer, you're more or less just told to be quiet, sit down. Um, it's true because the Bible says it's true. We shouldn't be surprised when smart, intelligent, rational people look at the world, look at the evidence, bring it up against the text, and reject the stories they've been told. That's, that's a reasonable conclusion. We can't just put our hands up in the, in the air and, and give up and say, oh well. And, and that's what happens a lot of times. Oh, well, they just, they don't have enough faith. They don't, uh, they aren't truly saved. Um, you know, any, any number of sort of pat Christian answers that we have been taught to throw out there, uh, just to write that off. Um, that's disrespectful. Uh, that's unloving. Um, we need to do better. We need to try, we need to do the hard work to understand the stories that we've been given, those stories are coming out of and are given to a particular people in a particular time with a particular view of the world. Um, and it, it, it is ultimately what drives me. Uh, and, I, and I hope that you would, you would hear this and, and think this project worthy and, and come along and be part of this, that, that what we need to do is to tell these stories in a better way, to tell them in a truer way, um, to get to their meaning, to their purpose, uh, to get to the level at which these stories inform our own being at the core of us, in our heart, in our mind, um, and, and they're not just factual history and science, because they aren't that. And the longer and harder we try to force them to be that, uh, we will continue to see people reject them, walk away, want nothing to do with them, laugh at them, um, and, and we don't do ourselves any good either. Uh, we, if, if we need to cling to that, even if we can be the type of person that says, I have faith, this is what the Bible says, I believe it, uh, if, if, we, if we're stuck at the children's version of these stories, then we have missed vital truths about who God is and the way he works in this world uh, and, and large pieces of the story that God has worked out for thousands of years. That really gets to the heart of, I guess what I've been thinking over the last week and what I wanted to say today is that we have to do better, right? Um, these are, for Christians, these are the, these are the most important stories. These are sacred texts. Um, and that doesn't mean that we don't ask questions about them. It doesn't mean they get to exist there and we just take them at face value and we accept everything that we're told. It means that we take them supremely seriously, that we study them, that we understand our place in them, um, that we believe that they are true and that we have to do the hard work of understanding, understanding how they're true.
Um, and it has been my experience and I have seen it play out for many other people as well that when we begin to really understand it, how it is that they are true, uh, that has deep meaning for us. It changes the way that we see the world. It, it certainly changes the way that we see God um, and, and how we find our place and how we find our meaning. Um, that Genesis story is all about a God intentionally and meaningfully creating the world around us and placing us in it. And it is in finding our place in that story um, of that creation, of our rejection of his plan, and then his, his thousands of years of working to fix the problems that we've created that we find our meaning. Our purpose is, is to serve the king uh, and, and the King is the one who brings us back into right relationship with our Creator and the creation.